Let's go! I am exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow. What a crazy week, Jake. One of the craziest in Sunday's finest history. Uh, how are you doing? How are, how are things going over there? <laughs> I mean, you know, between work, school, the Mandalorian, and of course, you know, the most important thing in all of our lives, that Sunday's finest. I, right. uh, I am, I'm just, I'm drained, but I'm happy and man, I'm ready for the playoff push. Mason, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good, man. I mean, it's, it's a whirlwind. I always just like, I like simultaneously, simultaneously love and dread the <laughs> uh, trade deadline because I get absolutely nothing done for about a day and a half. I was uh, on, uh, on Thursday or not today, uh, on Wednesday, I was sitting outside of the room that I normally study in. And I went outside and I was like, okay, I'll just, you know, text a few people, like figure out if we can get some deals done. I stood outside that room from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern time <laughs> thinking the trade deadline was going to happen. Um, and of course it didn't. Um, and that's some drama in and of itself. But yeah, um, you guys weren't huge movers, but still got some deals done in the last couple yeah. weeks. So how's your team? How are you feeling? Feeling good, man. Feeling good. Um, obviously... A lot of our trades, we, we like our team a lot. Most of our trades have kind of revolved around making sure we have pieces in case of injury because, you know, Mahomes had his knee issue, then Austin Hooper got banged up, and uh, A.J. Green, don't know if uh, that guy's ever going to play in a football game ever again. Sure. So we've been yeah. trying to make moves to kind of shore up those pieces, and, and I feel pretty good. Um, you know, we we had some pieces that we kind of moved around, and I don't think we've we've really – lost drastically in any way probably haven't you know drastically improved either but when you're sitting where we're sitting i think we we didn't want to shake the nucleus of the core of our team too much sure. so i'm pretty pleased yeah 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 you guys are preparing for the stretch run i mean you've obviously con- clinched a, a playoff spot and you guys look pretty good so far so this this could be the year you know you just kind of gotta um, be good for three even two games if you get that first round by so yeah, yeah. i think that you know you guys are looking good um, yeah. How you feeling? Oh, feeling good. Feeling better than I was. I was kind of in the darkness last time we recorded. I was three and five. Yeah. Since then, um, I changed my uh, Avi in the group meet to the Chris Gobble <laughs> meme, as our bet dictated, and what it has brought me. Yes, exactly. It is. It has brought me luck, and even more than that, my team just kind of came alive, and I think it's looked a lot better. Um, Melvin Gordon has looked like 2018 more Melvin Gordon, not 2019 Melvin Gordon. And then, yeah, I made a move at the deadline. Um, not a huge move. I think it gives me a higher upside player and Russell Wilson, one of those guys that can win you your week. And the Cowboys schedule is kind of grungy down the stretch. Um, and then, yeah, I think, I think, yeah, overall, I'm like fairly pleased. But still, I mean, I got to win two out of three to get in pretty much, you know, the entire league's at five and five. So, Getting to seven and six is going to be hard. Got two good opponents coming up. Um, and so, yeah, we'll see where I am in two weeks. But so far, things are looking up. Arrows pointing up. Yeah, man. I think you had those back-to-back, back-to-back losses where you scored under 100. Then you lost a tight one to Ryan and I. And then you've come out and posted almost 300 points over the last two weeks. So yeah. um, your, your team is, is back to what I think we all originally thought it was going to be. And I believe you are sitting atop the seven teams at five and five, which really I think plays into some of the drama of the trade deadline because right. there's so many teams trying to, 
yeah. into the Trying playoffs. Trying to win now. Have a yeah. chance. Exactly. And then you've, of course, got a bit of a race at the bottom of the standings. Nobody wants to come in dead last. And then mm-hmm. at the top, you know, you got three teams who are kind of battling for those two buys. Everybody has something to play for right now. And I think that's mm-hmm. what added to the, to the just mania of the 2019 trade deadline. Yeah. And it's interesting you say that, too, because I really do think that, like, we found we've kind of found the sweet spot for the trade deadline. You know, like pretty much everybody still has a shot at something and is like playing yeah. for something. But it's also not so early that, like we feel like we've been robbed of a couple weeks or whatever of uh, of the joy that comes with trading. And we also, you know, people get injured. So it's like kind of like a happy medium of like, you know, giving enough time for people to still make moves, but also not leaving it so late to where people don't have anything to play for, which is, yeah, probably a reason for the flurry of activity. So yeah. um, obviously there was the the drama with the, the deadline. Um we us thinking that it was on Wednesday, but really the Constitution is saying it was on Thursday. Um, and in those instances, I think going with the Constitution is is the best thing to do. So I think kudos to everyone involved in those conversations because they were, um, you know, could have had the potential to get heated, but people were civil and expressed their opinions. And I think we came to a good league decision. Yeah, um, I was I was actually telling my uh, I was my in-laws were here yesterday, and I was telling them about the you know Sunday's finest trade deadline because obviously this is you know, worldwide breaking news and everybody. Right, right. Consuming our lives yeah, As, from the inside you know, out. Yeah. Of course. And, uh, and I was just actually telling them I was really proud. I feel like uh, everybody handled it uh, very well. Um, different opinions. We were able to, to voice those. And I think typically this is something that years ago may have gotten people up in arms and angry at each other. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, everybody, everybody did a good job. Um, yeah, man. So uh, overall, I think uh, it was handled well. I will say uh, we are going to, as we get into the trades, we have a number of inside sources who have given mm, information for this pod. That juicy gossip, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's what you guys want. We've talked to numerous owners around the league to get that juicy gossip. And I will say that one thing that was kind of unanimous across the board, um, everybody felt like you know the Constitution's the Constitution. Um, we, we seriously could have a couple lawyers on our hands. I think quite a few people, yeah. uh, texting some things about mm-hmm. constitutional law. Um, yeah, yeah Riley was out there making me think <laughs> that maybe he's in law school right now. Yeah. yeah we don't even know, but uh, I do think there was quite a push from a few people to possibly move away from ESPN just cause we've had a number of problems. And sure. I, I had one owner text and say, uh, he thought it was quite bizarre that most of the drama in our league has centered around Kenyon Drake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the ESPN app. Uh, yeah. Both the uh, was he in the lineup? Was he not? Fiasco, and then the 11:59 p.m. trade. Uh, it's all circled around Kenyon yeah. Drake. So this uh, guy, yeah. <laughs> that is wild. Yeah, I didn't think about that. And that happened. That happened like what last week, didn't it? Yeah, it was after we potted. And that was like probably that's probably like the like sixth or seventh wildest thing that's happened in the last two weeks. I barely and remember the, that happened. Yeah, I, I literally didn't until you just said it now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Insanity. Well, um, yeah. So continuing leaning into the insanity, we've got a good pod for you guys today. Um, it's our it's our trade deadline uh, uh, edition of the Sunday's Finest Fantasy Football Podcast. Um, we're gonna go through all the trades, talk about ones we like, talk about ones we didn't like, and then also get those inside sources and what they have to say. Uh, no guests today. We figure we have enough content to pretty much last us the next three weeks. So uh, didn't want to add something else to. Um, you know, just uh, make everything a little bit faster. Um, and as is tradition, we're planning on potting again in two weeks uh, for a playoff push edition of the pod then. 
Um, Jake, you want to tell us what we're doing next? Yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, listeners of the pod, we are going to do a special uh, Sunday's finest countdown here. Mason is going to list off every single trade that took place over the last 48 to 72 hours. And, uh, and then I'm going to give some inside scoop, uh, some, some league gossip, some inside sources leaking information. And uh, yeah, we hope this is a segment you enjoy. So Mason, you want yeah, to take so it let's away? get to it. Let's do it. Um, so first trade, the one that kicked it all off was Ryan and Jake trading Devin Singletary and the Jets D to Alex Lott for Evan Ingram. Yeah, Ryan Long, co-owner of Country Road Take Mahomes, had this to say, Devin Singletary's the man, we like him a lot, but we clinched, so in the words of Alex and Steph's pod, we could be a big chip bully, sell high on a guy, or buy injured dude because we wanted week 14 to 16 to really matter. Mason, what's next? Good place to be, and now we go to November 12th, where a lot of action happened. We have Jake Davis trading Rashad Penny in the handcuff, um, and Chris Carson uh, to Jackson for Joe Mixon and DJ Moore. Yeah, one league owner had this to say, Joe Mixon is barely averaging 10 points, and DJ Moore is fine, but Jackson is hands down the winner here, picking up a high-ceiling guy like Chris Carson, riding a four-game win streak, the rich only get richer, great move by Jackson Humphrey. Moving right along, we got Riley trading Corey Davis and the disappointing OBJ to Andrew for the steady and um, very stylish guy, Julian Edelman. Yep, one league source has this to say, I think Riley wins here. I get why Andrew did it. Odell should still have decent keeper appeal, but Corey Davis isn't much of anything. So really to me, this is Edelman for Odell, and I would much rather have Julian Edelman right now. Odell is just so hard to keep buying into right now, and Edelman is a rock-solid receiver. Top 15, great move by Mr. Riley Hayes. So true. Uh, next trade, we have Trent and Hunter trading James Conner, Jalen Samuels, John Brown for uh, to Conner for Julio Jones, Sony Michelle, Danny Amendola, a blockbuster. An absolute blockbuster. One owner had this to say, I believe this is the biggest blockbuster of the 2019 season. Another says this, I thought that Connor, Trent, and Hunter's trade was about as even as you can get. Hunter and Trent had some bad injury luck with Cooks, Sanders, and Lockett going down, so getting someone like Julio is huge for their team. Uh, but at the same time, Connor needed an elite running back. You can't win a championship in our league without one. A good deal for both is what many owners had to say. Excellent. A smaller trade up next. Andrew Fry trading uh, Darius Slayton to Jacob and Zach for Tom Brady. Hey, one owner says this. Zach and Jacob are the winner here. I guess rostering QBs actually did pay off. <laughs> Very good. Andrew, busy again here trading Keenan Allen and Greg Olson to Alex for Ronald Jones and Juju Smith-Schuster. Oh, there's quite a few thoughts here. One owner has this to say. I think Alex got the much better end of the deal here. Even with his recent struggles, I would much rather have Keenan Allen than Juju. And then Greg Olson, a nice tight end one in a really tough tight end landscape. Not so sure about Ronald Jones, so I really think Alex got the better two players here. Another uh, owner has this to say. Andrew throwing out Julian Edelman and Keenan Allen within four hours for zero star power. Yikes. Yeah, and Andrew, the last deal of the day on November 12th, sending Christian Kirk and Juju Smith-Schuster to Connor for John Brown. Yep, league source says this, Connor flipping John Brown into three great flex slash wide receiver two options with upside. That's if you're following the trail of Connor's trades here, Debo Samuel, Christian Kirk, and DK Metcalf was incredibly <laughs> crafty. Yeah, uh, so November 13th, we all slept for a little bit, and then the madness resumed. Connor traded Juju to Madison for DK Metcalf and Carlos Hyde. 
truly remarkable. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster going, uh, being swapped around jerseys and hats like it's the NBA draft. Uh, Juju on his third team. Uh, he had been on two teams on November 12th and wakes up November 13th, gets dealt again. Juju Smith-Schuster traded four times this season. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, a tiny little trade between uh, two of the more trade-happy uh, owners in the league, and the first one between them this year would be Alex trading Raheem Mostert to me for Josh Gordon. Yep, that is exactly what one league owner said. I think these two just had to make a deal together. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be a year without it. Yep. Um, and busy again sending Devonta Freeman to Connor for Matt Breda. Okay, this one, quite an opinion. This is the kind of deal that makes you think maybe the deadline should be moved up. Giving away a keeper... Devonta Freeman, one of the lower keepers, still a keeper though, giving away a keeper for pennies just so you'll come slightly closer to not coming in last. Come on. Uh, Next again, we have John uh, sending Allen Robinson and Gerald Everett to Connor for the just acquired Christian Kirk, Jordan Howard, and Chris Thompson. Allen Robinson and Christian Kirk, the only two guys traded less than Juju (laughs) Smith-Schuster. Incredible. Then Connor makes a one-for-one with Alex sending Carlos Hyde for Debo Samuel. Short but sweet. One league owner says this. The winner is Alex. I think Carlos Hyde is going to score big points this week. Very good. And then Madison gets in on the action and sends Mm. Golden Tate and Brian Hill to John for a first-round pick this year, Todd Gurley. One of my favorite comments by an owner in the league says, This is the power of Fab Dollars at the end of the season. Madison literally bought himself Todd Gurley. Incredible. And then the one that happened right at the buzzer, but then not right at the buzzer, which was Connor <laughs> sending Russell Wilson, Jimmy G, Allen Robinson, and J.D. McKissick to myself for Dak Prescott, Robert Woods, and Kenyon Drake. Yeah, two different owners commented on this trade, and it is a split decision. One says, I like Connor as the winner here, but it's pretty close. Dak has looked really, really good, so it's not a huge downgrade from Russell. Robert Wirtz and A-Rod are pretty darn close. Really what it comes down to here for me is Kenyon Drink. I think Connor might have gotten a steal with that value. And yet another owner says this. I think Mason won. A-Rod can have nice weeks. Russell's going to wrestle with solid depth in Jimmy G and McKissick. Connor gets a Rams player. That's not what it once was. Yeah, very good split decision. And then finally rounding it out, the one that happened uh, last uh, night, I believe, yep. was Jake Davis sending George Kittle, Mike Williams, Cowboys D, to Riley for Michael Gallup, Eric Ebron, and the Vikings see the final trade of the Sunday's finest fantasy football season. And oh boy, is this one that was heavily reacted to. Five league owners commenting on this trade. Number one, I hated slash laughed at the Kittle trade. Riley's team got so much better, made Jake kind of look, uh, I will say, not so great. He essentially swapped decent wide receivers, defenses that are essentially irrelevant, and Eric Ebron for George Kittle. Another owner says, had I not traded for a tight end on what was the supposed trade deadline on Wednesday, I would have probably had George Kittle right now. Uh, Another owner says, I will never again try to trade with Jake Davis. I can't figure out how he he values his own players. Jake Davis trading away George Kittle was LOL material. And finally, my favorite comment, the very last one. This will forever be known as the Kittle for Skittles trade. Very good, very good uh, rhyming there. Yes. Yeah, um, and if you know one thing about how Jake Davis values his player, it's that he really likes Amari Cooper. And I don't think he's <laughs> super wrong about that, but still, he does. He absolutely loves Amari Cooper. <laughs> True that. True that. Yeah, wow. so, so you want, why don't you uh, tie a little uh, ribbon on this for us and, and yes. give it a little recap for all the madness that just happened. 
Yeah, I mean, just insanity. There were uh, a total this season of 33 trades. And literally, over the course of the last week, there were 17 trades, 14 of which happened in the final 48 hours. Literally, almost half of the trades, we basically doubled our trades right up at the trade deadline for the entire rest of the season. Incredible. Um, I think that really, you know, I, I was thinking about this a week or two ago. I just thought, you know, maybe we've gotten to the point where guys just spend more time drafting. There's more online resources, podcasts. You know, it, it's not just pick up a magazine on your way to the draft and do your mm-hmm. best. Yeah, Guys just do so much research. Maybe they're attached to their players. Um, maybe we just don't trade as much as we used to. And then that just got thrown yeah. out. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. And and I thought so similarly, too. It's just like, man, like we're at a place where everybody like is so comfortable with their opinions of players that, like, you know, like I'm just like never going to convince other people that like there's more value in my players than the guys that they think are good or or vice versa or whatever. But yeah, I mean this this shows that the uh, trading spirit of Sunday's finance, which is something our league thrives on, is alive and well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I thought one owner said something that was really interesting. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and read that here. It says, "How does the trade deadline affect an owner's mindset? Does it force us into mistakes?" And make owners not let themselves think fully through long-term benefits before a gut check? Or does it make people who are normally unwilling to trade finally pull the trigger on something they may need? I thought that's a pretty, pretty thoughtful insight. Yeah. Uh, and pretty accurate, you know? Uh, you can kind of mm-hmm. see it two different ways. At one point, I mean, as I was recapping some of these trades, I was like, I never even saw that that trade happened. Because there were so mm-hmm. many deals going down at the same time. Yeah. And, you know, on the app, it kind of tells you the trade's been accepted and it's sure. been approved. There were trades that actually got lost in the shuffle, um, that so many were happening at once. And yeah. actually, at one point, uh, John Thompson had texted in the group me that Todd Gurley was on the block. I texted him. I hopped in the shower. I literally, this is embarrassing. I, I brought my phone into <laughs> the shower. or really good? <laughs> uh, you take it how, really whatever good. you want to take it yeah, for no, what it is. Great. And, and so that I wouldn't fall behind on trade negotiations and the trade. And by the time John texted me back, he'd already traded Todd Gurley. Like it literally happened that fast. I brought my phone with me into the shower so I wouldn't fall behind on a negotiation. And it had still, uh, he'd already, he'd already moved him. So it just, things were flying. I think you mentioned this in the notes, you know, Connor's, uh, Connor's trade with Trent and Hunter, the, the huge trade for Julio and James Connor really just felt like it it opened Pandora's box and yeah. kind of floodgates open. Oh, yeah, that was the, when the madness began. It's interesting you said that the the owner that commented, that's a really good comment. I like that a lot. Um, kind of like like psychoanalyzing why we do what we do in fantasy football. And if you think about it, like fantasy football really is a game of like basically challenging biases and like preconceived notions that we have about players and like trying to use data or the eye test or whatever you possibly can to, to see if the things that you think are actually true. And so, yeah, the trade deadline, it like adds another stressor to that in a way. Um, and it's like, it's like something that kind of like pushes us to basically like, I like piss or get off the pot, you know, like, yeah. like you're on the fence, like, like you got to make, like you got to commit to player A or you got to like, just like say no to player B. And I think that the, the trade deadline like makes for an exciting time because of that, because we finally have to like form opinions on people that we might have had like strong opinions for the entire time yeah absolutely i uh got a final trade counter here uh coming at the top once again 
uh, owning up to his league reputation. He may not be first in the standings, but he is first in the trade counter. That's Alex Lott with 12 total trades for the 2019 season. Connor coming in second place with nine. He made uh, eight of those trades in the last week, seven of them in the final 24 hours. The only guy left on his team who he drafted was Darius Geis, which is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, Darius Geis, who may not even have his starting job back, after, even though he's back yeah. from injury. He, he totaled six points on the season, possibly. Um, yeah. Andrew Fry also going uh, a bit of the Miami Dolphins and just shedding anyone who has breath in their lungs uh he made five trades for basically anyone he could roster to keep himself away from the ishn uh name tag once again i will say um i, I think yeah i don't blame a little him. tough on him yeah. I, I i can't blame andrew either um and 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 you know i think one trade he got a bit of flack for you know the the julian edelman trade yeah. for odell i mean when you think about long-term value and that's where you got to be if you're andrew i obviously mm-hmm. you're, you're gonna keep odell over over Julian Edelman. Yeah, and, I mean, you're going to think that they figure it out in Cleveland yeah. one way or the other. Like, I still think that Baker's a good quarterback, and, like, you know, this might be, like, growing pains here. Maybe Freddie Kitchens gets sacked, and they actually get a good play caller or whatever. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I've been there. Like, I've literally yeah. been at the bottom with the ISHN moniker right next to my name. Same, same. And it, it sucks. <laughs> it's, it's painful. Like, I would rather, like, go, I don't know, four and nine every year for the next three years and not like make the playoffs, then make the playoffs two years, not win a championship and then be ISHN. Like it's just the worst. And so like, I don't blame Andrew for like, you know, just like sending it and trying to go win now mode. Like I I feel for him. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, I thought we could dive into uh, a couple more, a a few more inside sources, a little bit of Scoop from, you know, the uh, Adam Schefters and Trey Wingos of the world about some trades that almost happened. Um, All right. You want to go back and forth on this? Yeah, yeah, let's do it, man. Um, I'll start with the, the first here. Yeah. So so Riley had texted Ryan and I, um, and we actually, there was even the possibility of at one point a three-way trade where Riley would spend basically all of his fab dollars to pick up Brian Hill, mm-hmm. trade Brian Hill to Andrew. Andrew would trade us Devonta Freeman. It was just kind of this wild thing that ended up not really happening. But Riley at one point is actually offering Derrick Henry for Mahomes and a tight end. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's tough, man, because we're sitting there, you know, QBs are, you know, easier replacement value. We've already got Matt Stafford. Um, and we've got two really good tight ends in Austin Hooper and Evan Ingram. And you're sitting there looking at Derrick Henry, who's a star running yeah. back this year. But it just felt like the nucleus of our team, it's what yeah. brought us here. Mahomes is our guy. Sure. We didn't do it. Then, of course, it comes out that Hooper uh, might be out, of out for maybe weeks. a month. Yeah. yeah. So, but also Dan Quinn like, disputed that. But still, I mean, like you guys yeah. didn't know that at the time. But yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you want to stick with your guys, stick with the guys that got you there. And obviously, you guys are big Mahomes fans. Um, so yeah, that, that one was almost, um, this, uh, coming from an owner from Steph actually himself, um, said that he could be quoted on this one. Um, he said after season long negotiations with multiple parties, one of which being the Melvin Gordon owner, which was me, Austin Eckler was not moved. And I think that this is, I mean, this is good. Like this, I'm sure that I texted Steph every single week about Austin Eckler just to like, see what his value was. (laughs) I think this week I actually sent a message to Steph that said, weekly inquiry on your value on Eckler or something like that because it was just become a weekly thing and Eckler's a great player he's explosive he's efficient and like Steph made a great draft pick picking him when he did and even after the Melvin Gordon return 
I think Austin Eckler is still the fourth ranked running back in fantasy, like period. And so like, yeah, Steph's got a guy there. And, and of course, everybody wanted a piece of him. So yeah, good man. job by Steph. Yeah, this is uh, this is pretty big stuff here. These next two, uh, mm-hmm. one league source tells me that Saquon Barkley was actually shopped to multiple teams, including an offer of Saquon and a piece for Diggs and Kamara, which was turned down. That, that is shocking. Insane. That is absolutely shocking. Yeah. Yeah, I man. What's your thought on that? Like, what, what, what do you, what do you <laughs> think when you see that? I mean, it's crazy. Like, I remember um, last year. Uh, you know, you and I and, and, and Ryan and Paul were together when some of those NBA blockbusters were going down. And I remember us all kind of getting the ESPN notification at the same time that, mm-hmm. like, the the Rockets had uh, signed Paul George and yeah. – or traded for Paul George and Russell Westbrook. And then, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kawhi – or sorry, Kawhi and Paul George were going to the Clippers. And just, the, like, yeah. the shock of those blockbuster yeah. deals. And I feel like sure. man, this this would have been different playing field yeah uh, we've had yeah. some blockbusters this year some doozies but i think that might have been one of the two biggest if it had happened mm-hmm. it's so interesting I'll, I'll say two things about this like what you said made me think of something and i think it's really important is like we have this idea i think that like we don't want to move our keepers or it's just like it just takes so much more for us to move our keepers for other keepers or like big blockbuster deals and like very rightly so it's just like a scary op like like scary um uh proposition like moving players that are that valuable to your team but i'm thinking of like maybe the trade early in the year when jake davis sent michael thomas for yeah. chris carson and ari cooper or whatever it was mm-hmm. and like as far as i can see like michael thomas has been great chris carson has been great amari cooper has been great like it yep. almost looks like a push to me um so it's just like it's it's interesting that you know like we we are so averse to moving our keepers when i feel like a lot of times like you know a lot of the keepers are, are just as good as one another yeah. The next thing I'll say, too, is that, man, if I was um, Saquanda forever, I would have taken a long, hard look at this. Like, mm-hmm. Diggs, even with Thielen playing, is still at least a WR2 with pop potential. And Kamara, I feel like, is every bit as good as Saquon right now. And, like, man, that's a crazy one that I feel like could have, like, uh, slipped through their fingers. I don't know. Well, I'm I'm, uh, I'm actually not clarifying which team offered and which team uh, didn't accept. So oh, yeah, the, very the, fair, the, very fair, yeah. It's their imagination to wonder who might okay. have turned this deal down. Okay, okay, very fair. Yeah. Um, and next, the next piece of news um, for a trade that almost happened was that a source tells us that Lev – Amari Cooper and DJ Moore were offered for CMC and Robert Woods. And I'll tell you, I mean, obviously I was in on this end of this deal <laughs> and I, I sat down and I thought about this one for a long time and I actually had to call somebody and have them talk me off the cliff like, <laughs> on, on its face. I think that like, obviously like I would get a lot of good players in that deal. But the thing that like ended me, like ended up with me stepping away from the table was just the fact that like, CMC is just the hands-down best keeper this year. And if I traded for Lev, Cooper, and DJ Moore, it's like I'm dropping at least like seven or eight keepers for next year. And after the year that I had to keep Amari Cooper when he was on the Raiders, I will never like keep a bad keeper again. Like I'll do everything in my power to try and get a good keeper because like that's like the foundation of your team, you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. And at some point, even if you're trying to make the playoffs this year, I, I – I'll keep some of my opinions of this to myself, but I, I felt that there were a team or two 
who at five and five made deals to try to push and make it to the playoffs and win now. And if you don't make it, I think some of them lost out on some keeper value for next year. You just, you Mm -hmm. have to think about the future too. And honestly, I agree with you. If I were you and I'm sitting there with that offer, does it make your team have a slightly higher chance of winning this year? I think it does. Yeah. Does it help your team have a, have a better chance of winning next year? Absolutely not. I would rather have Christian McCaffrey. I probably would have done the same thing as you. Yeah, it's fair. It's good. That's affirmation that lets the darkness be kept at bay for at least another couple weeks before Lev Bell just figures it out and Amari Cooper starts, you know, scoring 40 points a game or whatever. Yeah, man. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll finish with this. Uh, one owner said that I think Connor was going for a world record of most trades in a day. The man was accepting every offer. And, uh, Connor texted me this, and I actually asked, can I mention your name? And he said, sure, like literally just right now. So I'm going to read this. He <laughs> says, uh, I offered Madison Juju and a player for DK Metcalf, and he countered with Carlos Hyde and DK Metcalf for Juju. <laughs> so he just immediately <laughs> accepted because Madison didn't understand the original offer. <laughs> <laughs> Which oh. is just... That in and of itself, I think, is uh, yeah. a kind of uh, encapsulates the whole trade deadline mania right yeah. there. That's that's the deadline in a nutshell right there. Yeah. All right. So we've talked a little bit about just, you know, what trades have happened and maybe some owner opinions on them. Um, I think our for our next part, we're going to look at some of the more notable trades and share some opinions on them and then move from there and talk about what that means for each team, kind of zooming out as we go. Um, so, so first I think we picked, I think it's, uh, yeah, six trades and we'll go mm-hmm. through them and give our thoughts on them. Um, and, uh, in the flurry of trades, these are probably the ones that stand out the most. First of these was one that happened early on and it was, uh, the one between Jackson and Javis, Jake Davis, the only one that Jackson made, um, over this in- incredible passage of trading. And that was Chris Carson and Rashad Penny for Joe Mixon and DJ Moore. What are your thoughts on this one, Jake? Dude. Jackson Humphrey is a unit right now. That's all I can say. Four game win streak. And this guy sells (laughs) Joe Mixon, who's averaging, uh, I think somebody mentioned this, is like averaging like 10 points a game. Mm -hmm. Just had a decent week against a bad defense. And DJ Moore, who, I mean, if you look at Jackson's roster, he's got Mike Evans, uh, Cortland Sutton, and Terry McLaurin. I don't Mm -hmm. think DJ Moore probably starts on his roster. In the yeah. playoffs? Yeah, I, I feel like he's better than McLaurin. It just depends on matchups kind but, of thing, yeah. You know, I mean, it's pretty comparable value. And to be able to flop Mixon for Chris Carson, again, here's another guy who wasn't afraid to trade away his keeper. There's an emotional attachment. You spend an entire offseason thinking about having this guy on your team. And Jackson mm-hmm. was willing to pull the trigger, pick up Chris Carson. And I'm looking at this team, man, and it, it just it is scary. I yeah. hope I don't have to face him in the playoffs. Good I team. think he did great. Yeah, I think this is, I mean, like Jackson has kind of danced around at the fringes for a long time, made a couple playoffs, um, and then, you know, fallen hard, whatever. But I think, I mean, he's assembling the team. He's got the team to make the run, you know. Yeah. Um, and we talked about this on the last pod. I think, like we said, that like we we mentioned him as a buyer at the deadline, as somebody who yeah. could, you know, move one of his extra receivers for somebody who could, like, win him as weak or, like, a more steady, obviously, running back was his, like, biggest need and he did it like he went out and like identified the need in his team and he went for it and he got a good deal now i still don't like hate it for jake davis yeah. like i like dj more a lot i think he's like really consistent just like focal point of that passing attack and then i think like mixon like i think somebody shared on freaking like some podcast i listened to 
that he has just like the most rushes without a touchdown by a long shot. And the Bengals are he, bad, but I Joe still Mixon think that ran like, it. He ran it 30 times last week, bro. 30 it times. It didn't it didn't score a touchdown, but I still I still think like like he's been kind of dragged through the mud. But I still I still view him as like an RB two, maybe back end RB two with some like really bad stinker weeks in there and maybe some better ones. So I still don't hate it for Jake Davis, you know. Yeah, yeah, man. Move us to our next one. Yeah, let's do it. Riley and Andrew swapping Julian Edelman for Odell Beckham Jr. and Corey Davis. Mason, what do you think? This, um, man. I, I feel pretty strongly about this one. And and I think that, like I said earlier, that OBJ is a good keeper candidate. And I think that he is. Like, you feel like the, the Browns will probably figure it out. And a guy of that talent, like, you just can't keep him down for long. But this is a big upgrade for Riley. And I think this, like, took Riley from a place where he was just, like, kind of, like, you know, maybe an outside shot at contender. He needed a couple good weeks in the playoffs to really put himself in a position to win the whole thing to like being an outright contender. And it's just because Edelman is just so steady. It's just like 16, 17 to like 20, 25. Like, like he just never scores like single digits. And that's like the kind of player that Riley needed. Like his running backs are obviously world-class and now he's got like a receiver to back it up too. What are your thoughts? Yeah, man. (laughs) Yep. And to be honest, like sitting here thinking about, uh, yeah, the, the very end of the season, um, this team is also scary good. I think Jackson and Riley obviously are, are both doing well right now, pushing, competing with us for a bye um, and possibly for a title. And, and the rich get richer, man. I, I Again, somebody else said that, but I'll steal it again. I mean, you look at his, his core of, of three running backs, it's unparalleled to anybody else in the league. Um, he picks up George Kittle, a solid tight end, and then to have Julia, Julian Edelman, who's who's not ever going to go out and just light the world on fire, but he's wide receiver nine on the season, man. I mean, it, yeah. it, it uh, this team is is uh, stupid good right now. I think it's a, a great move for for mm-hmm. Riley, but again, um, can't can't be mad at Andrew. I get what he's doing, but yeah, I think the rich yeah. Here. But still, yeah, if you if you want a keeper, I feel like you got to target somebody better than that. I think, like, yeah. I, I can't hate him for the kind of move that he made, you know, and I, I don't fault him for it. But at the same time, it's like, okay, if you're, like, looking for a keeper and you've got a piece like Julian Edelman on your team, you're going you're, you're gonna to want to target somebody better than OBJ has been this year, you know. Yeah, I think you could have gotten better value. Yeah, I agree. Um, uh, moving on. Next yeah. one for you. Yeah, this is the uh, Connor and Trent slash Hunter trade of – Julio for James Conner. Um, I love uh, Hunter Texan said he thought that this was a great deal for both parties. And of course, yeah. uh, Conner needed to trade up, change up his team name. Um, the Connors. That's uh, it's pretty Very good. good. And I'll yeah. also point out for everyone familiar with the way that Conner spells and does grammar in general, that he has Connor apostrophe S, which <laughs> I'm not really entirely sure what he's doing with that. Maybe he's just asserting that he really owns this team. <laughs> But I think that it would be better to be Connor with no apostrophe S Connors. <laughs> yeah, that is a that's pretty funny. I uh, I think that yeah, th- this is um, uh, one one hundred said he thought this was the biggest uh, trade of the year. I actually don't even know if this was the biggest trade uh, for Connor of the year. I think that Michael Thomas for Amari swap with Chris Carson and Sony Michelle and the mix as well was was maybe a bigger deal. But still, this is. The second blockbuster for Connor, and you and I talked about this when he had a cold start. Connor's a savvy owner; he knows when to make a deal. And uh, yeah, man, wheeling and dealing. I, yeah. I think this is a good team. He's got skill from top to bottom. 
Um, yeah, dude, I, I think that, that Connor wins, but I, I do. I think that Trent, <coughs> pardon me, Trent and Hunter also come out stronger. Um, mm-hmm. Looking at uh, what they have on their roster, they needed a, an elite wide receiver, particularly, you know, Lockett's questionable. Brandon Cooks is out with a concussion. Um, I think the only other wide receiver they've got on their bench right now, Emmanuel Sanders is dinged up, is Danny Amendola. So mm-hmm. um, I think that, that with the injuries they've had dealt to them, um, and the fact that Zeke is probably going to be their keeper, uh, this was probably a smart deal. Yeah, it's a good it's a good move, and I think it's just notable. I think it's good for both sides because it's 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 notable because it's so good for both sides, and it's also notable just because Connor has had Julio as long as I can remember, like yeah. just years yeah. and years, and it's probably you know the last of the early keepers to leave its team. So it's just like end of an era, you shed a single tear, and then you move on and you try and win a championship. That's Moving us along, another notable trade um, when we've talked about a little bit is Jake Davis and Riley, the one that sent Kittle, Mike Williams, and the Cowboys D to Riley for the Vikes and Eric Ebron and Michael Gallup, giving Jake Davis two Cowboys receivers instead of one. What are your thoughts? Okay. (laughs) I'm going to try not to beat up too much on, on Jake. Yeah, there are and, obviously some harsh comments. From right, some of sure, the and, I, and I think it needs to be needs to be asserted that at that time, like the news from ESPN was that Kittle was out for sure, and Jake's trying to make the playoffs. So I feel like that, yeah. you know, context is important there. Yeah, it definitely is. It definitely is. But I, I will say this: um, I think the one thing personally, and I, I like, um, I was texting about this with Zach a bit. Um, Zach was just talking about the Constitution is what the Constitution is. We signed it. That's the legal binding thing. Totally mm-hmm. agree. Um, I will say that when Riley started texting about that, I internally, just from where Ryan and I are sitting in the standings, was not stoked because mm-hmm. I actually agree. I agree the Constitution is what it is, but I knew <laughs> that he was going to go out and pick up a tight end. And even as we were discussing options, you know, he was trying to trade a tight end from us. And I'm sitting here thinking about, Mm -hmm. okay, well, you know, this deal might help us. We get Derrick Henry, but I don't want to, I don't want Riley to end up with a good tight end. Sure, you don't want to make him a contender, yeah. Yeah, and so, and so I kind of, you know, maybe we, we leave that offer on the table for him to then kind of pick up George Kittle for peanuts. Again, it is, at the time, it looks like George Kittle is injured and that's a that's something that Riley's going to have to deal with. But I think you got to wait a little bit longer when that notification comes through. And and so when I saw that deal go through, and then the fact that Kittle was healthy, I was punching some drywall for sure. <laughs> because yeah, uh, yeah man, uh, I, you you noted here. I think this is great. You said yeah, the trade that made Riley a true contender. It's the trade that happened after all the drama, and it's the trade that probably comp- completed Jake Davis's demise this season. So yeah, very yeah, sure. I, yeah. I have nothing else to add. Move us to our next one. Yeah. This is John and Madison, the, uh, Todd Gurley for Brian Hill. Is that his name? Brian Hill. Yeah, Brian, Hill, Brian yeah. Hill and Golden Tate. Uh, one guy who was suspended at the beginning of the season and another guy who most of us didn't realize was a human being until about 48 hours ago yep, was traded exactly. for Todd Gurley. Mm-hmm. Todd Gurley, who isn't a shell of his former self, but I just want you to think about Mason. 365 days ago, thinking that this would be a trade date. Yeah, uh, it's trade just deadline wild. It's just bonkers. wild. Yeah, if you if you had offered this even two months ago, somebody would have laughed in your face. Like, just yeah. would have stopped texting you because it would have been an insane offer. But you know, desperate times call for desperate measures. Um, 
John, you know, gets a two-week rental and Brian Hill. And I think Golden Tate has been really good, honestly. And, and with Sterling Shepard looking like he might even be out for the year, that's like a nice pickup for John in the wide receiver department. But, you know, I mean, I think like the narrative that I've been hearing is that they've been managing Gurley for the stretch run. And yeah. like, here's the stretch run. Like, what are they going to do? You know, I think Madison like takes a chance on that. And we could see, like, maybe he starts getting, like, Todd Gurley volume and starts getting 20 touches a game because clearly Todd wants it. Like, you can tell he's not happy with the workload he's getting. But it's just a question of, like, what is Sean McVay going to do? And it's, like, like big gamble of my Madison, but it's it's the big boy play. You swing it around and you try and get the guy who's going to give you the most upside. And I think he's done that here. Yeah, I mean, that's precisely why I was trying to trade for for Gurley. I mean, I've I been following the Rams pretty, pretty closely for a couple of years, and pretty much every beat reporter, every person with a freaking blog or Twitter is saying that they think that they're trying to save Gurley for the stretch. And obviously, at this point, Rams are sitting at five and four. Uh, I believe the Vikings are seven and three, and the Seahawks are eight and two. So mm-hmm. dude, it, it's desperation. Now's the time. Yeah, now's the time. You got to use this guy. I think that that's a really savvy move by Madison. And, and I will say this. Um, uh, there were bids on Brian Hill of 23, 26, 37, 57, and 73 dollars. Okay, yeah. the only reason all the other teams weren't spending more money is because most of them have run out of money. I mean, people were basically throwing their final pennies at Brian Hill, including, I mean, think about John Thompson spent 57 dollars trying to get Brian Hill, spent 57 dollars trying to get him, mm-hmm. does not get him, and then trades Todd Gurley for the same guy. And Golden Tate. I mean, that yeah. that stings. When you throw 57 bucks at a guy and can't pick him up, and then you essentially flop him for for Todd for you, you trade Todd Gurley for the guy. It, yeah, it, yeah, I can't I can't be angry at John, but uh, man, you gotta yeah. gotta wonder. Yeah, about and, and kudos to Matty, man. I mean, he just always seems to do like he's the guy that picked up Jai the year that Jai had that incredible stretch run. Yeah. It's just like Madison. Madison just ban- – like, knowing Madison myself, he just dances to the beat of his own drum. And I think that comes out in fantasy is he yeah. makes the decisions that just, like, you know, the chalk isn't saying to make, the podcasts aren't saying to make, but he himself has seen something, and he trusts himself, and he goes and he gets it. And that's the $72 he spent on on Brian Hill and then the trade that he's made for Todd Gurley. And I, I got to admire the guy. I, just, I love it. And I think it, like, pays off more often than, he, than it doesn't. And I love having an owner in the league just like that because it makes for such an interesting – like like it you know just different beat which i really appreciate yeah i agree I, i've been particularly tough on team dj so far this season and and i really just I, I couldn't agree with you more man he's mm-hmm. a great owner um made some some really solid moves and just looking at his roster um i think i was also a little bit curious about um, what he might be thinking as far as as keeper goes you know mm-hmm. uh, david johnson is is not looking like what he used to be and the fact that he went out and picked up the uh the passed around like mono juju smith schuster um who <laughs> definitely has some keeper value for next year he picks up Gurley. he's got cooper cup um man i think the future continues to look bright for for madison ladder he's a sure. great owner and yeah. uh, man I, I just i couldn't i couldn't change my tune more about madison's team i, I think he had a great deadline yeah it's good um we'll move us to our final one that we're going to talk about and then we'll talk about the teams at large um, and this is the one that I think caused the most controversy in the group me, and that was uh, John Brown for Christian Kirk and Juju Smith-Schuster, Andrew sending um, Kirk and Juju to Connor for John Brown. Um, what are your thoughts on this one? You know, man, um, John Brown has been consistently uh, just one of the most consistent players in fantasy football this season. Mm-hmm. 
And and I think that's kind of overlooked because he plays for the Bills, who are probably in the you know they're in the smallest market in the NFL. Nobody pays attention to the Bills. Yeah, their um, offense just is like not great to begin with. But yeah, no. yeah. They, I mean, he's I mean, still solid. Yeah. Yeah, the guy has put up 25, 14, 9, 11, 12, 19, 10, 11, 12. So I mean, consistently, he's he's averaging 14 points. Um, yeah. But he really has he doesn't have a low floor. I I will just say though. I don't personally. I don't get why you make a one for two swap here, because John Brown is consistent. But John Brown's not going to be Andrew's keeper, I don't think. And no. you trade away Christian Kirk, who's very young. I mean, he has three touchdowns last week. Is obviously building rapport with. Kyle yeah, Lewis. yeah. I mean, I don't think Kirk or Juju is going to be Andrew's keeper though either. I, I, I don't know about that. Just keep going though. Sorry, go. No, I, I just. I guess I didn't get why it needed to be one for two when Andrew sure. clarified a bit. It made made some more sense to me, but I... right, yeah, he he could have gotten another guy on the end of that deal. Yeah. I think I, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this is the one that people raised the most think about, which kind of surprised me because I thought there were other ones around the deadline that were worse than this one. I honestly see why he did it. Like I, I get it. Like it's it's still on its face in a vacuum, not a great trade. But like we talked about in the group, me. Juju is wide receiver 38. Like the only reason that we're talking about him, like as if he's better than he is, is just because the name, because he had such a good year last year. Like certainly he does that have that upside. And then Christian Kirk, solid, very solid. And he's like building a rapport with Jimmy G, but he's got San Francisco this week, which you hate. And then buys next week. And then after that, like it gets a little bit easier, but I think like, like, people who are like hating on this trade i think they're devaluing john brown just because of where he plays and because of his name but he's i don't know what his rank is but he's averaging 14 points per game on the season which is as much as a rob and a rob was like a very clear like wide receiver too and i think he you know makes the win now move so i i get it like i still like think he should have like probably tried to hold out for a guy on the other end of that but like still like i I don't know I, i don't think it's the worst one by far yeah i'll say this final thought about juju who got bounced around a couple of times. I tried to get in on it. You have him land on his fifth team. Uh, and Madison wasn't really wanting to deal him. And I understand because here's why. Week eight, this was three weeks ago, Juju mm-hmm. against Miami. Five catches, 103 yards and a touchdown, 21 points. Yeah. I want to read you the, the final, six game, final uh, five games for the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Cincinnati Bengals, awful defense. Yeah. Cleveland Browns, bad defense. Great Arizona team. Cardinals. Awful defense. Fantastic team. Buffalo. Yeah, okay, that's a tough yeah, matchup. Yeah, that's fair. Week 16, New York Jets. Bad defense. This uh-huh. is precisely Ryan and I went and spent like 17 fab dollars on the Pittsburgh Steelers defense, who are quietly actually creeping up uh, and towards first and second place as far as defense goes. I mean, the Pats are a bit of uh, in a league of their own. Right. But since they traded for Minka Fitzpatrick, they've been dominating and they have an absolute cupcake schedule down the stretch. Mm-hmm. I think that Juju could post some seriously good numbers, and there's going to be three or four teams wishing that they had not let him slip out of their fingers. Sure, yeah, that's a, that's very fair. I think you could be right about that, in which case, you know, Andrew looks a little bit worse on this end of the deal. But, yeah, but, I, I like think that's Connor good. trades Juju, too, so... Does yeah, Connor yeah exactly. Yeah. Passes him along. Connor's yeah. passing everything around. Yeah. All right, so we've talked a little bit about the individual trades. We'll move to um, what this means for the owners for the rest of season. What are we at? Right? 48 minutes right now? Yeah. Don't want, don't want to go much longer than that. Um, so why don't you say one owner that you think has improved um, because of this trade deadline flurry, and I'll do that as well, and then we'll move to um, like who we think has 
has not improved or who has even been hurt by the deadline, and then maybe somebody who has missed a chance. Yeah, yeah. I'll say um, I've talked about all three of these teams so far, but I think, you know, Riley feels like an obvious winner. Everyone's mentioned that um, he picked up some big pieces. And I will say uh, kudos to Riley for going out and trading with guys who um, are at the bottom of the standings and trying to think about the future of their team. Uh, I was listening to a fantasy footballers podcast last week and they were talking about what do you do with Odell? Because honestly, you know, um, his name value is still there, but what are you really going to get for him? And and Riley Mm -hmm. got something serious for him. He got the ninth wide receiver in the league. Very good. Uh, Jackson's team obviously um, looks pretty sick. Um, but I, I will go ahead and again say that I think Madison, I, I really just tip my cap to Madison. I think uh, his team improved quite a bit. He's got a lot of options for keeper, as I mentioned. And, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm scared of his team. I hope he doesn't make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. I, I, I think you're right. I, I would I would agree with all those. There's nobody there that I think is, you know, I think those are the obvious winners. But I'll also throw Connor in here, and he was the most busy at the deadline. And some of the trades that he made, like, in a vacuum, I was just like, what are you doing? Like, what are you thinking? Um, but I'll, I'll read you who he had before this week happened and then who he had after. Um, so he had J.D. McKissick, Matt Breda, who is hurt, Jack Doyle, Sony Michelle, and Danny Amendola. And now, after the deadline, he has James Conner, Kenyon Drake, Gerald Everett, Devonta Freeman, who is hurt as well, but going to come back, and D.K. Metcalf. Yeah. That's upgrades all across the board. And... He did, of course, in that, drop Russell to Dak and Julio to Robert Woods. But that's cumulatively only dropping seven points per game between the two swaps of those players. Like, Julio's been good, but he hasn't been nearly as good as, like, everyone, you know, like, builds him up to be. And Russell Wilson's on his bye right now. And so yeah. he he drops seven points per game and a player that's on its bye for essentially upgrades at every single one of those positions that I just listed. And all of a sudden Connor's team, which looks super imbalanced and just like, basically like let's hope Michael Thomas and Julio Jones, like combined for 80 points and the rest of my team scores 10. Like, like he all of a sudden looks like a very complete and balanced team. And I'll like, again, strength of the owner. He's a good owner. He always does it. And I'll tip my cap to him. Cause he's done a great job. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree, man. I mean, you, you think about kind of the haphazardness of his team prior to the deadline. And I'm just curious, at what point did Connor feel like, okay, you know, I mean, he was literally making deals at 11.59, thinking that the trade, you know, I mean, he's dealing to his last possible second. And I'm just, yeah. I'm curious, like, what was his target goal? Or was he just kind of rolling uh, to, to keep swapping as many pieces as he can? But as pointed out previously by, uh, by another owner, I think, Connor made some of the savviest moves. Um, a lot of times, guys are just kind of looking for for one for one swaps, and I think Connor was thinking two steps ahead. Uh, we're playing checkers. Connor was playing chess in a lot of ways. True. You know, we're, we're thinking about is this going to win me this this little piece right now? And Connor's thinking about do I give up a pawn so I can take up your bishop? Yeah. Uh, kudos to Connor. Well done. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent chess game or chess chess for chess reference. I didn't even know you knew how to play chess. <laughs> Well, obviously, I, I wasn't using those same skills at the trade deadline as Connor was, but I have played a game or two. <laughs> yeah, sure, 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 sure. Um, why don't you tell me a guy that you think was hurt by the trade deadline? Yeah, um, I mean, I think one of the, the obvious answers here is Jake Davis. Um, you know, uh, you think about who has gone out of Jake Davis's hands so far this year. 
He has traded away Michael Thomas, Sony Michelle, Chris Carson, and George Kittle. I mean, that that's tough, man. It's a it's a tough look. Um, I think he's still got some talented guys on his team. <clears throat> and really, here's the thing: Jake Davis has a championship under his belt. Jake mm-hmm. Davis drafts well. I, I year after year, I think this guy year has every, yep. the best drafts. Um, mm-hmm. But again, as as it was pointed out um, quite articulately by by an owner in the league, trading is an interesting beast. Do you make decisions that you should think through a bit more, or mm-hmm. are you capturing guys who are trying to do something fast? And and I will say, sure. you and I have talked about this off off the pod before, but I think that at times some of the owners who are really trade happy. Sometimes they're just trying to make them. I think sometimes they're just trying to make a move for the sake of changing things up after a loss. And sometimes I'm like, man, Jake, you draft a great team every year. I don't know if he needed to make as many deals as he did. And some of Mm -hmm. it's injuries. Some of it's just, it's the bad luck with George. Yeah. Yeah, It's bad luck. Yeah. I I think I would have maintained the nucleus of the team I drafted if I was Jake, because I thought he did a really good job of the draft. Yeah. I I would say so too. And I think like, yeah, he's, he now has two Cowboys wide receivers still has DJ Moore, like great player there. Um, But yeah, I think like some downgrades and then also like, I I love Amari Cooper. I, I, I stand with Jake Davis. I don't think he's better than Tyreek Hill, but I still think that Amari Cooper belongs in the conversation of elite wide receivers. But the thing is, is that the Cowboys over the next three, after they play the Lions, at the Patriots, Bills, at the Bears. Like, like none of those you love. Like, you, no. you don't love rolling out two wide receivers in any of those on a team that's playing those teams, especially at the Patriots. So it's just like, you know, he may have, like, made a, made a move to win this week, but, like, what's going to happen over the next couple? I agree with you. Yeah, man. Um, my guy, yeah, I think is Andrew. We, we've kind of, like, talked about this. I, th- I think before, like, all of his moves, he had Keenan Allen and Christian Kirk, which we talked about the issues that Andrew had with Christian Kirk. But then, like, he moved from Keenan and Kirk to OBJ, um, John Brown, and Ronald Jones. And it's, like, I just – it's a lot of lateral moves for me. Like, you kind of got rid of a guy who you maybe could have kept, Keenan Allen, who's, like, obviously has his trebles but has shown his upside – and got a bunch of guys that, like, you know, are steady, but, like, nothing super exciting. And so we'll see if it keeps him out of last. And if it keeps him out of last, I think it's worth it. Like, that's all that really matters to him at this point. And I'm totally fine with that. But, yeah, I think that his team maybe took a step back instead of a step forward close to the deadline. Yeah. Uh, this last one is who kind of missed their chance? And um, I've actually got three separate teams that I think kind of missed their chance a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um the first is going to be Chase Darst. Uh, you haven't heard his name mentioned on this pod yet, and that is because Chase made zero trades, not just this week, but on the entire season. Yeah. Um, I, maybe the opposite of Jake. They've got the same record, and they've got literally virtually the same amount of points for and points against. So mm-hmm. their seasons have had similar similar uh, uh, journeys. But, yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. You don't make a single trade right? four and yeah. six. Yeah, and you talked about, I still think it's really telling, like the research you did last year where it's like the average number of trades that a champion has made in our league is like three or something like that or two. But it's just like, you know, nobody's team that they draft is perfect. Almost never, almost never. And yeah. so like, it's just like making even a single trade and like getting that upside is like how you ride your way to a playoff. So I, I feel that, I understand that. I, uh, I hope you didn't notice that uh, Ryan and I made exactly three trades this season. <laughs> <laughs> trying to push yourself in the history books. That's man. right, baby. That's right. That's right. Um, two more teams I think maybe missed their chance a little bit. 
Um, two other names you haven't really heard on this pod. One of those is going to be Steph. Um, sitting at 5-5, five and five, uh, just had a dub last week, had that hot start. Um, they did the, the flip trade where uh, I think it was kind of the, the trade loan, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, Damian Williams for Golden Tate and Phillip Rivers. Um, it's a little bit of a, a flip-flop trade there. I'm curious about that, um, and that's really, I think, the only trade that, that Steph made down the stretch. Yeah. Um, in fact, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, is yeah, it, that's about yeah. all, all he really did. Right, and we make um, the distinction between you know staying put and like trading just to trade. Like, there's times to stay yeah. put, and there's times yeah. to trade, and I think you know Steph probably had a time to trade. Yeah. Um, I'm going to read you Austin Eckler's tr- touches over the last four weeks. Yeah. Um, so week seven, starting week seven, 12 touches, five touches the next game, 16 touches the following game. Great. Eight yeah. touches. And it's like, you know, I like, I, I lauded Austin Eckler earlier in the pod and I still stand by that he's a great player, but I think you're sitting with a guy who's ranked fourth at running back and is close to 20 points per game average. But like, it's, it's just clear that like, for whatever reason, Anthony Lynn, like wants Melvin Gordon to be the guy who's touching the ball the most. And so it's like, I feel like, you know, he probably could have sold Eckler above his value. Like, like his value is still good, but I still feel like he could have gotten, like, above his value, you know. Um, and then who's your last team? Yeah, my last team is Jacob and Zach. Um, and I'll say this. On, uh, on October 23rd, so that was about, oh, three and a half weeks ago. Give or take. Yeah. Uh, Jacob and Zach were ranked. Uh, number one in the power rankings mm-hmm. and Jacob Morris commented, I am a God. And <laughs> since, <laughs> since that time, Mason, uh, Jacob and Zach have lost two games in a row. And the only trade that they made was picking up Darius Slayton for Tom Brady. As was yeah. pointed out, they did utilize their abundance of QBs to pick up a piece. Um, but is Darius Slayton really the guy that you, uh, the second wide receiver on the New York Giants? I mean, this team was looking pretty, pretty tough about two, three weeks ago. Again, ranked number one in the power rankings. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Jacob has fallen off of the, the God status a bit. Um, they are sitting right uh, in the middle. They would be in the playoffs at the season end of the day based off of points for, but yeah, thought thought they missed a chance to to improve their team a bit more. Sure, and and I'll agree with you on this one too. Not a lot of disagreement here from me, um, but I I think that the biggest thing that they missed is I I mean we talked about this last pod. I still think that they should have moved on from the Patriots D. Like like amazing yeah. historic defense, and I still think they'll be good. But let me read you their next three games: Eagles, Cowboys, Texans. None uh, of those are bad offenses. And every single game that the Patriots have scored, like, you know, 20 points or more have been against, like, pretty bad offenses. So it's like, are you going to get 20 points a game from them? Probably not. You're probably going to get, like, around, like, 11 or 12, which is still great for a defense. Like, but at the same time, like, right now, value still sky high for the Patriots defense. And I'm sure there's somebody around the league that they could have, like, finagled, like, still a decent defense and then also gotten maybe an upgraded flex or an upgraded wide receiver. And it's just like, I feel like that's a big missed opportunity. Um, could be proved wrong, but you know, I think that, yeah, I, I think that they're going to be kind of wishing that they had moved on from the Pats D. Yep. Well, Mason, whew, take a deep breath. That was quite a run through of the 2019 Sunday's finest trade deadline. It's true. Um, we are I, right I will at the say, hour wait, wait, mark. Yeah. Yeah. Go wait ahead. a second. Go we're, ahead. Right, we're right at the hour mark, but I do have my team. 
that yeah. I think missed a chance. And maybe you saw this on the Google Doc, which is why you were moving us along. But I think the team that uh, missed a chance here is probably your all's team. Oh, um, I don't see this. I'm on the other Google Doc. Oh, are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We've had some issues with the Google Docs here. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I have one team I think missed a, missed a chance other than the ones that I agree with you on, and that's that's your all's team. Your all's team is obviously built to last. You've got two wide receiver ones. You've got an RB2, an RB1, like the best quarterback playing the game. You've got two options that tied in when they come back. It's just like this is a good team top to bottom. And, like, I don't think that, like, you guys, like, you know, traded yourself out of a championship or anything like that. Like, I feel like the, like the safe move here is to stay put. But I think we talked about this a little bit. Um, and I think, like, at the deadline, if you are pretty much championship or bust, I think the move that you need to make is, like, overpay for a really good player. Like, literally, your guy's bench is stacked. You have Ingram, Hunt, Parker, Hooper. Those are all startable players. And I would have, like, if I were you, traded literally, like, your entire bench, all startable good players, and Tyler Boyd or something like that for, like, another shot at a guy like Chris Godwin or a guy like DeAndre Hopkins. Because the way that you win in the playoffs and the way that you, like, ensure yourself in a championship is, like, this is what I'm convinced of, is, like, you just, like, you get a good team, you draft well, which you guys did, and you guys did a great job of that. But then also you you overpay for that player that's going to take you over the line. And yeah. and I don't know like who that is or like what team that is or whatever, but I think like th- that might like you know be the difference between you guys scoring like 150 and losing to Jackson in a shootout like 155 to 150, versus like like scoring 165 you know like having yeah. that one less pop player and I think that you know I don't know like you could still win the championship but it's it's close now I think it's like yeah, a little man. bit closer. You make a very valid point and I think. You know, some of this philosophy comes down to I, I, I probably get a little too philosophical when it comes to some of this. But, you know, I, a lot of times you see the teams near the top of the standings going into the playoffs. They don't want to mess with the core of their team. Sure. Uh, but I, but I, I look at a team like, I mean, the Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm not sure how many listeners here are, are going to track. But the Tampa Bay mm-hmm. Lightning were absolutely dominant in the regular season, the NHL last year kept their team tight and you know a lot of people are like oh that makes sense you know you don't want to make any big trades they got swept in the first round sure and uh and i think that sometimes you feel like you're riding a wave your team is maybe better than it is and i i hope obviously i hope that's not where we're at but um but yeah i think you make a really valid point and and even you know you you were negotiating with ryan and i and and even kind of mentioning that in some of your offers and and i think we're obviously yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Ryan. Ryan mentioned that uh, mentioned a comment of his at the top of the show. You know, we really like Devin Singletary, um, but we we moved him because we're thinking about weeks 15 and 16 in particular. We're we're mm-hmm. pushing hard to get a buy, and you want to win when it matters most. We we mm-hmm. did make one or two of those moves, but you are right. I mean, I think you could kind of sell the farm. I mean, what do you do if you're trying to win in baseball? You sell your prospects so you get one superstar closer who can come in and finish. Yeah. And, and that's what, like, that's what that. the championship is, yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, I still think your time, your guys' team is great, but I, I think the best thing to do is, you know, just like accumulate all your value into your starting lineup, and then just cross your fingers and pray nobody gets hurt, because yeah. like that's that's like how you assemble the best team possible. And you know, I think that's like in the past how teams have often won the championship. I think about like my team last year is like I traded Aaron Jones and Zeke for Christian McCaffrey. Like I way overpaid for Christian McCaffrey, like in a vacuum, that was a stupid trade, but it's like, 
I got lucky because Aaron Jones got hurt. That's like definitely the, the luck part of it. But I also acquired like the higher upside player. And it's just like, like Christian basically just like dragged me tooth and nail to another championship because yeah. like, he just was just like insane down the stretch. But yeah, still, I, I still think your Texas team is, you know, probably the favorite, probably the team to beat. So I'll, t- I'll say all that. And then I'll like also take it with a grain of salt and say that you guys are still very good team, very good draft this year. So. Well, it is uh, it's that time of year, man. We are three weeks out from the playoffs, and it I really think the trade deadline is so fun in our league because it shakes it just kind of it shakes up what the year has been so far. I mean, I feel like I had a good read on most teams, and now mm-hmm. it's just like everybody's team looks a bit different than it did a week ago, and mm-hmm. I think that's a it's really fun just from a uh, entertainment standpoint, but B. Um, it really does make the playoffs so interesting because you just don't know what's going to happen. Guys have new teams. You're making, you know, decisions based off of, of who's going to start based on matchups, all that kind of stuff. Alex actually offered us a trade of two players, uh, two for two trade. And I was like, that's actually not a bad offer. And then I looked and, uh, both of the players he was offering us have a buy in week 12 and we play yeah. Alex in week 12. <laughs> trying the trojan horse opportunity yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) trying to sneak one in there i I got a kick out of that but uh but obviously coming down the stretch here our teams are what they are now a couple guys have some some fab money but for the most part your team is what it is let's see who can manage their team best catch a couple breaks and see who's gonna win the ship mason yeah it is it is that time cross your fingers hope your studs don't get hurt and other than that just be the best be better than your opponent you don't That's have to be right. the best team you just got to be better than your opponent right. um it's been fun jake um you got any last words i i i, I think i'm good mason <laughs> all righty sounds good we'll see you guys next time in two weeks for the playoff push podcast this has been sunday's finest we'll see you guys next time